Well, good morning. Um, we're going to look at quite a large passage this morning um, from John 12 to 59. So it would be good if you did have a Bible to follow on because all the scripture is not going to be on the, on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, I've just enlisted two helpers that have Bibles. So hold up your hand if you need a Bible and these two guys can, can give you one. But the, the, the text is so... Uh, anyone need a Bible? So while they're handing those out, the text is so large um, and there's so much in here. I, I, uh, as I was researching, I, I found a, a pastor, David Pawson, and he revealed some good truths about this, about what is truth. And um, so I'm just sharing with you uh, this morning what, what I learnt um, from reading God's Word and, and through listening to, uh, to Pastor Pawson. Um, but before we get into the Word, uh, let's, let's pray. Dear Jesus, we come here today to look at your word and I simply pray that you would reveal your truth, the truth about who you are and that I would also speak your truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So who do you think, who do you think Jesus is? Is he just a great teacher? Um, people... A major part of this this passage is he talks about, uh, he uses the word I, me and my nearly 70 times. Okay, So there's no other teacher like Jesus that's talked about himself as much as as he has. He made a lot of claims about himself. Uh, He claimed to be the light of the world earlier on in in John 8. Um, He claimed that, uh, uh, that he could give life that would last forever. Uh, that he would determine the destiny of everybody after they died. So how would you react, like uh, Pastor Stan mentioned before, the Pharisees asking Jesus such a question, how would, how would you react if somebody came to you with these claims? You know? I can give you eternal life. I will decide where you go after, after you die. You know? C.S. Lewis, uh, Lewis puts it that somebody that says that is either a liar, a lunatic, or he is actually Lord. And we have to decide whether what Jesus is saying about himself is really true. And that's what we're, we're going to look at this morning. So uh, when Jesus was speaking the truth, he claimed in John 14, uh, 6 to 7, he said, uh, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Luke 12, 8 and 9, I tell you the truth. Anyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels to God. This is the claims that, that Jesus is, is making. But, but how do we decide if something is true or not? Do we just believe what they say by somebody's word? Not, not really. If a person is claiming anything, if a person claim anything they like about themselves, does that mean that we're convinced? Right? The more incredible the claims they make, the more likely we are to need incredible uh, truth or incredible proof that it is true. So how do you know something is true? Well, this is the conversation that Jesus is having in this uh, particular, particular uh, passage. So think about truth generally. Why do you accept something is true? Why do you believe that anything is true? Well, there are four main reasons that would help us to, to believe something is true. They are the consistency of recognised truth, 
the consequences of rejected truth. That's when um, someone who says something that's not true but it is true, we, we see what happens to them. They've rejected the truth and we, we see what happens. Uh, the confirmation of received truth. When you, when you have accepted something as true, that you discover the results in your life. You can see that truth come out in your own life. And the continuity of revealed truth. If something is true today, it will be true tomorrow, and it will be true the day after. It will be true for you. It will be true for your children, your friends, your grandchildren. It will be true forever. So these are the four things that we're going to look at this morning. So the first thing we're going to look at is the consistency of recognised truth. So the Pharisees uh, in, in uh, John 8, 13, um, the Pharisees said to Jesus about his claims, we only have your word for it. Nobody else is saying these things about you. Why should we accept them as true? So in verse 13, the Pharisees were challenging him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Think about things that people that have told you um, that you've accepted as true. Why did you believe them? Maybe it was a school teacher that told you something was true. Um, maybe a friend said something and, and they've said it and you think, yeah, you know what, that is true. Right? But then other people, when they speak to you, you go, no way, you know, that can't be true. Right? So uh, what, what makes the difference between you accepting uh, someone's word or not accepting it? Jesus talks about the consistency of recognised truth in two regards. If you know enough about a subject already, you can recognise if that person is an expert or telling the truth about that subject or not. If you know nothing about the subject, it's more difficult to to determine. The other thing is if you hear somebody else independently of the first person say say the same thing, then you're more likely to believe them. Person A has said something and then person B comes along and says the same thing, oh, they match, then we're more likely to believe. This is a, a, a piece of modern art. I know nothing about modern art. In actual fact, the Australian government back in 1973 uh, paid 1.3 million Australian dollars for this, this painting. Okay. So if I was to look at this piece of art and I look at it, to me it looks like somebody spilt a lot of paint on a canvas and then ridden a bicycle across it. Okay? I just don't know enough about modern art. But if I was standing there and somebody came up to me and said, wow, this is a piece of really good modern art, right? and then they walk away and somebody else independently comes along and goes, yeah, you know what, this is that piece of art that the Australian government bought for the National Gallery. It's a really famous piece of art by um, uh, Jackson Pollock. Then I'm more likely to believe what they've said because two different people have come along and, and said that. So Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you don't recognise if I'm telling the truth or not because you don't know enough. Okay? In verse 14 he says, For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you have no idea where I came from. You can't judge if I'm telling the truth or not. You don't have enough knowledge to make a fair judgment. Therefore, you're making a judgment in a human way. And humans make judgment all the time about things they have no knowledge about. Have you met anyone that rejects, uh, rejects Jesus as who he says he is, but have not really looked into the claims? 
They have not read his Gospels. They don't have enough knowledge to make a fair judgment if what Jesus is saying about himself is true or not. They just dismiss it. And the Pharisees make a judgment about Jesus without having enough knowledge, without studying his life and looking into his claims. It's amazing sometimes what people are willing to say about Jesus without reading about Jesus himself or studying his life or his records. They are just judging in a human way. They don't know enough. Have you, you have to have some knowledge about the subject to say whether he's telling the truth or not. Right? You must know something about it to make that judgment. And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you don't know me well enough. You don't know enough about me to judge if what I'm saying is true. But what I say is true because I know, this is Jesus speaking, he knows what he's talking about. And he's saying, if you don't know me and where I come from and where I'm going, then you are in no, in, in no position to judge if what I'm saying is true or false. The second thing is Jesus is actually giving a first-hand account. I know firsthand, Jesus says, I know my Father. I know where I, am, or where I come from and where I'm going. Everything I tell you is based on first-hand knowledge. Not only that, but actually Jesus has a second witness, an independent one, right? And that's his father. His father is saying the same thing about Jesus. Right? In the Jewish culture, if two people say, say the same thing, then it's taken as fact, if they're saying the thing. There's only one problem, and Jesus is saying that actually you don't even know my father either. Right? You're not in a position to listen to me or listen to the witness of my father. So no wonder they didn't believe Jesus. No wonder they said they can't believe this. They didn't know Jesus well enough to know that he was speaking the truth and they didn't know the Father well enough to listen to him. And God confirmed this on two occasions, actually. So in uh, Matthew uh, 3, 16 to 17, this is at the baptism of Jesus. So there was a voice from heaven and it said, This is my Son, whom I loved and whom I am well pleased. So, Jesus, so, so God was speaking into it to, to say who Jesus was. And then the second occasion was at the transfiguration. And we see that in Matthew 16 and 7. So, uh, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. God witnessed to who Jesus was saying he is. The father and the son are telling the truth to the world, but the world is dismissing it all. Why? Because they don't have enough, they don't have enough knowledge or know enough about Jesus or the father to be able to judge. But those who take the time to study and have an open mind to studying Jesus will know enough about Jesus to know if he's telling the truth. They will begin to hear God witnessing as well. They will say, you will start to see, this is true, this is consistent, and you recognize it as truth. For those of you who are Christians, is this not how you became a believer? You got a certain amount of knowledge about Jesus, whether that was from reading the Bible from reading uh, the Gospels, uh, reading a tract, reading a book, actually sharing from friends, you got all this information together and then you were able to make a judgment of to who Jesus really is. So if you don't know Jesus as your saviour, I challenge you to look into it, check it out, see if the claims that Jesus make you know, are, are true, are truthful. There's books around, 
There's friends you can talk to, your Christian friends. We even have an Alpha course coming up on Friday nights that you can attend. And uh, that will help you to get more information to discover, is Jesus really telling, telling the truth? The second is the consequence of rejected truth. So those who say something is not true and then pay the price because it is. And that convinces us that actually it was true. So this happens when people treat the truth as falsehood. Think about when doctors first made the link between uh, smoking and cancer. What was the reaction of the people? The people just thought, ah, it's another scare. But they didn't believe believe what was being said. We know enough, enough now about the consequences that what they were saying was true, that there is a link between smoking and cancer. But those that didn't believe it often paid a high price for that Um, for that rejection of the truth. So this is one way uh, to see what is true, by seeing what happens when when it's rejected, when that truth is rejected. Now Jesus points out the consequences of calling Jesus a liar. The consequence is that you and I will go to different places. The consequence of saying that that what Jesus said about himself is not true is eternal separation from God. He said, I am going to a place where you will not be able to come. And they questioned it and said, is he going to commit suicide? This is from verse uh, 21 and 22. uh, In 23, he continued, you are from below and I am from above. If you are of this world, you are of this world and I am not of this world. So Jesus goes on to tell tell them where he is from and where he is going. Do you think that you can get to heaven by rejecting my truth? You don't belong to heaven and you can't get there unless you believe I am who I am. This is Jesus, what Jesus is saying. The only hope you have of getting there is to believe what Jesus says is true about himself. In John, uh, John 3.16, so, so how do we get to heaven? In John 3.16... It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, perish and have eternal life. And it's interesting, there are some uh, parallels between um, this John, John, 3, John 3 and also uh, John 8. So uh, let's have a quick look at actually um, the verses just before that from John 3, uh, 10 to 13. And what we see here is that um, uh, there's a man uh, named Nicodemus and uh, Nicodemus is a Pharisee and they're talking to each other, uh, they're, talking, they're having this dialogue and we know that because in verse 1 of uh, John 3 it says, Now there was a Pharisee and a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he asked this question about being born again. How can you be born again? And Jesus went on to answer that. But he was a little bit, still a little bit confused. And then uh, he goes on, You are... Israel's teacher, this is Jesus talking to, uh, to Nicodemus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And then he goes on, as, Jesus, as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And this is the point. It's interesting here how he's talking about the Son of Man being lifted up. And in, uh, in, in John 8, 28, he says, he says a similar thing. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. So he's saying that I, I am God when he's, li- when he's lifted up. And back to, to John... Oh, sorry, that's John 8. And then back to... Um, uh, to to, uh, to John 3 again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of the light because of their evil deeds. Everyone who, everyone who does evil... Okay, I, I don't think that was the voice of God. Okay, carrying on from verse 20. Everyone who hates... Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that the deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may see plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So it doesn't matter where you are and whether you think you're too unworthy to be saved, God is willing to, to, save, to save you. And that's just an amazing promise. All you need to do is believe and accept that Jesus is who he says he is and that he died for your sins and that you were a sinner. Even when Jesus was on the cross, like I mentioned, it was referring to the Son of Man being lifted up. Um, so it's referring to Jesus on the cross. And even a hardened Roman centurion, a hardened soldier, when he saw how Jesus died on the cross in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-four, he says, when the, when the centurion and those who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, this is around Jesus' death, they were terrified and explained, ex- exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. So even this hardened soldier recognised who Jesus, who Jesus was. The third, the third point is the confirmation of received truth. That's when you have accepted that something is true, you discover that it's true by the results, by putting, it into, by putting it into action, by experience. Um, I, uh, I'm training at the moment for Oxfam Trail Walker. Um, so uh, that's, uh, I have to walk 100 kilometres. I have 48 hours to walk 100 kilometres in a team of four. Um, and I've been, I've been training for that. And um, here's me on the, on the trail. Um, and 10 years ago, I also did it, and I did it uh, 10 years ago with a group from this church. And I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Tim Rayner. He was one of the people that was on that hike. And in actual fact, um, on stage two of the Mackle House, um, I was walking along and I felt horrible. I, um, I felt like I was going to be sick. I was hot. My heart was racing. And Tim, being the good doctor, came over to me and says, Oh, it looks like you've got heat stroke. What you should have done is, and then went on to explain what I should have done, not warning me before it happened how to prevent it. And he said to me, look, here's my hat. Take my hat 
and put my hat on and you'll feel better. And I thought, I hate hats. I really don't like wearing hats. They make me feel hotter and um, I really just don't like wearing them. And he convinced me. He said, try it out. Wear the hat and see how you feel. I put the hat on and I felt much better. So I put into practice what he said and I found it to be true. And as you can see now, I hike with a hat because it helps a lot. Okay. In, uh, so, we, uh, so Jesus says, that, uh, how are you going to know the truth that I'm telling you? In verse 30, we see that many believed in him. So as he's speaking in verse 30, um, even as he spoke, many believed. But actually, how deep was their belief? Their, their belief actually was only as deep as their mind. They were saying, yeah, he might be right. I believe that what he's saying is the truth, right? Jesus said, I, tell you, I will tell you how to prove it, and that is obey it. If I'm telling it to you, if you want to prove that it's true, you obey it and see what the results are. So it's not just believing it, but it's trying it out. So the third way to tell if, some, if, to tell if someone is telling the truth is to try it out and see the results and discover from experience whether it's true or not. And this is the confirmation of received truth. So... Two things will happen if you obey what Jesus says. If you obey the teachings of Jesus, not just think them, but actually do them and put them into practice, you will have real freedom. If, if you only accept it in your mind, but don't put it into practice, then you won't really be free. You will still be a slave. And, and this is what Jesus says here. He says, To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, If only you hold to my teaching." You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the Pharisees were thinking, what are you talking about, being, being uh, slaves? We've never been slaves. It says, they answered him, Abraham's we are Abraham's descendants in verse 33 and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that you, that you will set us free, that we'll be set free? Well, it seems that their memories are a little bit short because they were slaves when they were in Egypt and also in Babylon. But if you think that um, freedom means that you can do whatever you want, then I think you're mistaken. Freedom doesn't allow you to do whatever you want. I met a guy once he, um, when I was much younger and uh, he wanted to, uh, to prove that, um, that smoking was easy to give up. So he took up smoking just to prove that you, know, you could give it up. But what he found was he actually became addicted to it. He became a slave to it and he found it very difficult and I actually don't know if he actually managed to actually ever give it up. How about alcoholics? Anyone with an, an addiction, right? It could be, uh, it, they say, yeah, I can give it up any time. You know, people like that that have addictions. Yeah, I can give it up any time, but they can't. They're chained to it. They're a slave to it. And it could be something as mundane too, as nowadays as an addiction to a mobile phone. Do we need to check it every five minutes, you know? Do we feel anxious without it? We've become a slave to it, yeah? So you're a slave and it brings anxiety and worry about what the future holds. And what Jesus is saying, come to me and I will set you free. The truth has set you free. Charles Wesley um, wrote one of my favourite songs, And Can It Be? And the line of that is, my chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. It works. Believe that Jesus says, 
says he is who he says he is, and he will be free. And I, I suggest that you check it out, you try it out, try it out for yourself to see if what Jesus is saying about himself is really true. The second thing that happens is um, reflected, um, uh, you'll reflect the Father. So reflected fatherhood. So two things will happen. You'll get real freedom and reflected fatherhood. We see the question of fatherhood came in, um, into being in verse uh, uh, 39. And in 40, verse 41, it comes in even a bit, uh, they're a bit nasty about it. I don't know if they're referring to the way that Jesus was conceived here. Um, but he says, they say, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said, wait a minute here, if you were the children of Abraham, you would be like Abraham and you wouldn't be trying to kill the truth, which is what you're trying to do, you're trying to kill me. Jesus said, you think that God is your father and you are a child of God. If you were children of God, you would also love the son, you would love me. So have you ever noticed that if you have great respect for somebody, that respect is transferred down to the children? If there's a famous uh, figure or, um, or someone that you greatly respect, if you see their children around or someone that's related to them, that love is transferred to the children as well because of that person that you respect. Or if you've heard the saying, any friend of so-and-so's is a friend of mine, so any friend of Stan's is a friend of mine. Right? That, that, um, that love is transferred okay, to, the, to that person. And that's what Jesus is saying here in verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God, and I have not come on my own, God sent me. And that's what Jesus is saying here. If you love the father, you will love me. That, that love will be transferred. But then he goes on and talks to them about actually who their real father is. And what he says to them is in verse 44, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. It's interesting here that Jesus goes on to, to talk about the devil and it's actually complete opposite to, to what Jesus has been saying about himself, that he's a liar and there's no truth in him. He says in verse 44, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. He lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. So what he's saying about the devil here is, is that his native language is lies. Now, I attempt to speak a second language, I attempt to speak Cantonese. When I do and when I run into trouble, I'll always revert back to my native language of English and try and fill in the words in English, right? I revert back to my native tongue. Well, what he's saying in here is that the native tongue of the devil is, is lies. And Jesus says to, says to them, I'm telling you the truth and you do not believe you do not believe me. He says in verse 47, Yet I tell you the truth, yet you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I am telling you the truth, why won't you believe in me? And they never actually go on to answer this question, the, the challenge that Jesus, Jesus puts to them. The fourth thing um, is the continuity of revealed truth. So if someone... If something is true today, it'll be true tomorrow, it'll be true for, for anyone, for you, for your friends, for your family, for your grandchildren. Okay? The truth doesn't change. Real truth never changes. Those who have been to school or who are going to school um, 
will know that every year there seems to be a new textbook to buy. Okay? Because as we learn and understand more and more what we know and what we thought of as truth, it changes all the time. So when I went to school, I was taught that there were nine planets in our solar system. So the young people today probably think, oh, you're so dumb, right? Nine planets, we know there's only eight. But in in the 1930s, this is what kids were being taught. I'm not that old, but from the 1930s, um, this is what was being taught, that there were nine planets. We had Pluto, okay? But in in the 1990s, they... um, in the 1990s, they, the scientists discussed this and they, they were thinking, well, is, is Pluto a real planet or not? And then in 2006, the uh, International Astronomical Union decided that Pluto was not a real planet. It was a dwarf planet. And so that brought the number of planets down to, to eight in our solar system. Also, at one time, men thought that the Earth was flat. Okay, And that's, that's proved to change. So what we see is that that the ideas of man, of what man thinks is true, they change and they change and they change. They're continually changing. But God's idea of truth, it never changes. Just think about, too, the, the, even if we just look at the New Testament, if we say it's about 2,000 years old, right? the Old Testament even older than that. So, but let's just look at the Bible and, think, and just look at it as a 2,000-year-old uh, uh, book, right? When we look at the truths that are written in the Bible, do we see that they reflect the truths of today? I would say they do. Man's truth in textbooks are outdated in a few years, but God's truths have stood the time for over 2,000 years. And those truths, were they were true 2,000 years ago, they will be true in 2,000 years and beyond. They don't change. In any other field, like in education, the... Um, like I mentioned, the, the textbooks and the knowledge is out of date generally by the end of the course. Right? They, man keeps discovering and keeps seeing new things. But what we see about the Bible is it's absolute truth. So why do you think that churches haven't needed to change the book that we teach from? We teach from the same book because it's absolute truth, it's real truth. And we'll be able to continue to use the Bible to teach until the end of time because it, will, it continues to be true. So if something is really true, it goes on being really true and it stays true. That's why when we read the book that is 2,000 years old, you think that you are reading about yourself and the condition of modern man today. And Jesus goes on to say more that he is not only telling the truth, but actually he is the truth. Okay? In John 14, uh, verse 6 and 7, Jesus answered them, I am the way and the truth. He says, I am the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus says, if a man believes the truth that he teaches, he will never die. The other side of that, to that is that because Jesus tells the truth, that he is the truth, and that he was never born, he has always been, that the truth, yeah, the truth has never, was never born and will never die. He has always been. Therefore, if I receive real truth, I will also never die. If what Jesus says is really true and will never change, 
And if you believe it, you will also live forever. No other teacher of so-called truth has ever said that. Jesus said, Jesus said that truth will always be true. And if you take that truth into your life, you will also live with him forever. Now the Pharisees um, thought he was really going mad. Um, this is the, the passage that Stan read earlier. They called him demon-possessed, a Samaritan. They said that Abraham died, um, but you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. You know, they're saying, who do you think you are? So in, this, in verse 52, at this they exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And then Jesus said to them, You call yourselves the, uh, the children of Abraham. I knew Abraham. I knew him well, he's saying in verse 55. They said, How could you know Abraham? You're not even 50 years old. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, in verse 58, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered them, before Abraham was born, I am. Notice here that he said, before Abraham was born. So Abraham was born, and there was no such person as Abraham before he was born. He began just as you and I did, but Jesus is saying, I was calling himself, I am. He was saying, I was there, and I've always been there. And I'd like to just take a quick look at this phrase, I am. So do you, do you know where, where this was seen in the, Old, in the Old Testament? It was when Moses was standing in front of the burning bush. And God was telling Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land, out of that slavery that they were denying they were in earlier in the passage. Moses, Moses said, well, that's, that's all well and true, and that's, that's great, but... Um, who shall I say sent me? They may not believe that I actually spoke to you. Well, from Exodus 3, we see that, uh, Exodus 3.3, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, "The the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is your name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. So Jesus is saying here clearly to the Pharisees, he's drawing this parallel, that he is God. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered them. Before Abraham was born, I am. And the Pharisees understood what Jesus was talking about here because they picked up stones and were about to stone him. But Jesus managed to, to slip away. So... We've come back to the, to the beginning where we came in. The most important part about Jesus' teaching is the incredible claims he made and from this passage can be summed up into one thing. Jesus is saying that I am God. It's a case of either Jesus is lying or everybody else is lying. So that's what we need to determine. So you need to determine what is the truth. Are the truths about what Jesus is saying, are they really true? And are the, claims, are the claims he's making true? So was Jesus a liar, a lunatic, or was he Lord? Let's pray.
Father God, we just thank you for your truth. Father, we just thank you um, that we can um, look at your word and discover your truths. But not only that, that we have other evidence as well. We have historical evidence that we can look to to see if your claims are truly true. Father, we just pray that as we, um, as we as followers of yours, uh, we look at your word, we can discover more and more the truths about you. And we just thank you for the promises that you made. And as we put them into practice um, about the way you have uh, asked us to live, that uh, we can see that those promises are true. Father, for those that do not yet know you as Lord and Saviour, I challenge them to, to take up the, the challenge and look in to see if Jesus really is who he said he is. Is he the Son of God? Is he um, able to, uh, when he died on the cross for our sins, uh, we able to believe in him and, then, uh, and be with him in heaven uh, for, eternal, for eternity? Father, we just thank you and, and uh, uh, thank you that you are the truth now and also in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.